Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm sitting with my best friend Tom. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? Nothing. Uh, excited to be back in studio with you, my friend. It seems like we haven't been in studio together in a long time. Yeah, it was my fault. Well, I mean, not completely. I mean, you listen. You know, we were we we've been on the road a little bit, and um, uh, although we were supposed to be in Monterey, Tony, but uh, but that didn't happen this year. No, I I got a little um. Not feeling well. I, I, you know, it could have been COVID. I don't know, but uh, and then I was on vacation the week after that. Yeah, so we haven't been in studio in a while. Um, uh, Tony and I we were supposed to be in Monterey at the Thrivers Live event, but uh, Tony got the uh, got the BA five or something, so uh, we weren't able we weren't able to travel. However, uh, listen, Thrivers um, and Britt and her whole team they were just so gracious enough to allow us to still participate um, uh, from home. And um, we hosted the virtual event and we had some party games, which was fun. And we had some interviews, which was fun. And then um, we, uh, at the very, very, very end, we got to interview Britt just about how amazing and wonderful her, her program was. Yeah. I mean, she put on a completely different type of uh, educational platform for our industry. And it was, it was so much fun. It was, it was amazing. It was people outside of our industry, because uh, business is business, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it runs across all of our platforms. And But she just brought in some heavy hitters that, that the inspiration, there's, there was so much to take away from. I'm still re-watching a lot of it because yeah, uh, there was so much to absorb, but it was, it was just amazing. It was cool. And it was the first time that I had done like a, a, a live like internet kind of weekend thing i've done it by the hours and i've done it for a day but to actually do it for three or four days live um it was the first time that i ever did and i was completely engaged i think i told Britt that i only left the table one time and that's because uh i had to really eat and i had to really pee and, <laughs> and, uh, and it was my my um you know uh, available uh, I was available to do that because she was kind of giving out awards where I wanted to hang out and like celebrate the people, but I had to pee so bad that I, that I had to leave the table for a couple of minutes. That is, that's funny. But, you know, speaking about education and speaking about, you know, how, how kind of how our industry has evolved in the last few years, um, today's guest is right into that, uh, into that uh, arena, I guess. Like, like we always say, you know what I mean? Our, no matter um, who it is and what they're doing. If it's elevating our industry, you're on our podcast. Even if it, 
you know what I mean? Like we, we've always said, even with, even with other podcasts, yeah. if your podcast elevates the industry and it puts our podcast out, we're in, we're okay with that. As long as that, that they're elevating the industry. Yeah, yeah. And our guest today is doing exactly that, elevating the industry. She definitely is. This is actually her second bit at, uh, at, at the uh, Your Day Off podcast, but you weren't here for the first one. So our guest today is Lindsay Smith. And, uh, and uh, Lindsay came on and she helped me co-host um, right when we got back, ironically, or coincidentally, I guess, right when we got back from Hair Love Retreat last year, um, we, we interviewed Elizabeth Fay, and you couldn't make that one. So uh, Lindsay was gracious enough to, uh, to, to, to co-host with me. And we have pretty good, we have pretty good energy. So if, uh, if you guys have pretty good history, too, we, we have a pretty good history <laughs> too, but, but, you know, so if, if halfway through, if Lindsay and I started, uh, you know, grilling you and asking you questions, you know, you, you, <laughs> right. you know what happened. So, uh, so yeah, like we said today, our guest is, uh, that means you got a new best friend. So today our guest is Lindsay Smith and um, she runs the independent, be- independent beauty pro. I don't know why that's so hard to spit out. Independent, <laughs> beauty, it, you know what it is? It, it's the pops in the in the consonants, right? Independent <laughs> beauty pros, uh, Instagram, and and uh, she's a real advocate for for you know um, those of us that are independent and how she can help uh, help our business and support our business. So, Miss Lindsay Smith, man, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, how are you both? I'm so happy to be here. Oh, great! It was great to see you again. Yes, you too. Both of you. I loved being able to see you in person back in April, right? Were we in, in April. April? Yeah, it was April. And see you like in your moment with with being live and having a full plate of speakers, keynotes, attendees. It was an amazing event. It was so much fun to be at back to school and yeah, watch both of you there. Well, you know, I got I, I, I got a little moved while we were there. She, um, what Lindsay's talking about is she came to visit us at Pressy Poe and Friends. And, you know, Pressy Poe was a, a weekend of, uh, of education and, and, and getting to know each other and networking and all that stuff. And I'll tell you that my heart was so touched while we were there. I got a little emotional in the moment because it was so cool to kind of watch like hair love have longer arms right like we met you know, for the record we met at hair love retreat last year we met in a desert and and it was really cool to see that like like when you left the desert you thought like oh this is nice we met these people you know but but you didn't you you couldn't foresee how long those arms are you know and yeah. what else it was put together and you guys really got close when you try to keep up with her on that on that hike yeah that's a true story <laughs> so um on our second day uh, first re- okay here's the story. Like, i can't let her outdo me <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't that. I, I go. I hope she doesn't outdo me because I need. I need. I need a partner here. <laughs> oh, um, so the whole story is, is that we get in Saturday night, and and I'm sure you saw this too, Lens. It's like Tony and I. We got there a little early, and we're watching people come in off the bus, and and then we had dinner that evening. It was funny because on Saturday evening, everybody was dressed up like it was a hair show. Yep. You know, it was like the shoes, the 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 dresses. Everyone's looking like all the makeup, the, the uh-huh. makeup, the hair done, all that <laughs> stuff. And then at that, at, at the dinner, Elizabeth announces that we're doing um, a hike tomorrow. And I didn't, I didn't kind of realize what kind of hike it was because you know I thought we would just like you know hike around a national park there. But um, it, what was the name of Angel's Landing? Angel's Landing. Yep, Angel's right. Landing. It's a big one. It's actually permit required now. So. I'm a huge hiker. I love being outside. So I was so stoked that that was where we were going because it's been on my list for a while, but it's a, it's Bro. legit. It's a legit I, hike. 
I was so underprepared. I mean, like I had like one 20 ounce water. I had, and that was it actually. I had a one 20 ounce water and then Tony and I were walking and then there's these like, what are they called? The hitchbacks or switchbacks. Yeah. yeah. So the switchbacks and Tony and I got separated. And then by the, by the time you got to the back of the mountain, you were single file. So it was like, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't, and whoever was in front of you and whoever was in back of you was your partner for the day, whether you knew him or not. And that's where Lindsay and I met. Yeah. Cause on the switchbacks, some of the views were so spectacular i saw i was taking pictures and looking around where did cory go yeah Corey, he's gone i was scared <laughs> if i stopped on the switchback i wasn't gonna be able to get started again so uh-huh, i just uh-huh. kept on humping man because it was <laughs> it, it was it was challenging there's no doubt oh, about no it, doubt about it it was you know? it was it was tough it was really yeah. tough so uh so again we're we're single file and you know Lindsay was i don't remember the first time whether she was in front of me or behind me or whatever but anyways we became um partners uh for the rest of the trip up and and i i i made the joke and, and not even really a joke but i made the statement that you know we were strangers walking up the mountain but we were best friends coming down because you know we literally had each other's life uh, uh in our hands yeah so, yeah there is definitely and it kind of became like i feel like we just kept a perfect pace for each other so there were lots of people ahead of us lots of people behind us but it did feel like it was sort of just you and I talking going up up the mountain and it felt very relaxed which again I think for that kind of hike in that intensity in the heat it's it, you know it's nice to feel like you've got a buddy <laughs> yeah. I gotta be honest I didn't even realize you were with our group I had a buddy. <laughs> I started out with a buddy, and I ended up by myself. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh-huh. I've seen the pictures, man. <laughs> yeah, when, when we first met, I hadn't, I had no idea that you were with the group. It wasn't until like we started to run into other people from the group that I go, uh, oh, yeah. Lindsay's with, uh, with, with Hair Love, and then we became buddies the rest of the week. Yeah, that actually doesn't surprise me at all because I feel like I I have sort of these two parts of me. I'm very like in the in the beauty industry, I'm definitely very connected. I love talking. I'm very extroverted. It's like my it's like a hat I put on. But when I'm in nature, like I'm pretty introverted. I like to be kind of like to myself. I like to just observe and talk and like hang back. And so I feel like that actually makes total sense that like going up that hike, I'm sure I was kind of like you know, just in my, in my head. I loved it. I love, love, love all that stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I just didn't, again, I didn't, I didn't recognize you from Saturday night dinner, I guess. And then yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. When you're yeah. by yourself. I mean, you, I mean, it, it was so spectacular. I mean, you yeah. just absorb it, take it in. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it, it, it's something that I've never, ever seen uh, something in real life like that ever. Mm-hmm. It was just so beautiful. It, it was, yeah. and and Lindsay heard a lot of like fireworks from me because I was just going, ooh, ah. <laughs> ah, it, it, it was spectacular, yeah. you know, um, yeah. it, it, pretty cool. Yeah. So Lindsay, where are you from? Oh, that's such a big question. I am. I'm. I was born and raised in Michigan. In 2008, I moved to Chicago. I lived there. I built my business there. Um, I called Chicago home forever. I actually, when I first moved, I was a baby. I was 20. I turned 21 in Chicago. I remember my 21st birthday in Chicago. Um, but I remember planning to be out West. I thought that Chicago would be a great little trial city, get me out of Michigan. I'm from a pretty small town in Michigan. And so it was my little like stepping stone out into the world. And then I loved it. And so, you know, four years turned into eight and eight years turned into 12. And um, I loved the community I had built in Chicago. I loved my business, my clients that I had. Um, and so I felt pretty grounded in it. And then when COVID hit, it was like the first time that I had even considered 
another possibility of home. And I, I dove into the deep end. We actually, I moved to Colorado. Um, I, I bought a 2020 Ford transit van and built that out, converted that into uh, what was originally supposed to be a mobile salon. But um, around that same time I launched IBP. Um, feel free, <laughs> Corey, if that's easy for you. But I launched it then. <laughs> But how did you end up in the industry? Uh, anyways, I mean, how, yeah, how did you yeah. I mean, that's a crazy story too. So I, um, I had an, an amazing opportunity when I was a, in high school to do um, like a dual enrollment co-op program where I could be uh, working, being paid to work. And the place that I chose was um, an insurance agency actually. And I felt like this was at the time my dad owned a plumbing business growing up. So he was an entrepreneur and I saw him, you know, doing the entrepreneurship grind. And so I felt very sure that I wanted none of that. I wanted to be in a nine to five with insurance benefits, structured salary job that gave me two vacation weeks a year. That was my plan. Like never, ever be self-employed. And so, um, I did this program and felt like I was, you know, figuring it out, figuring out how to work in that corporate job. Um, and then this woman came in one day and she was so exuberant, so happy, enthusiastic, and she had gotten a job at a salon. She needed liability insurance. And my job was to take input of everything. So get all of her info for the agent. And I just, she was magnetic. She was so happy. And I felt like, oh, am I happy here? Am I, is insurance like, is this the thing? Like, I don't think this is the thing. And she reminded me of my aunt, my aunt owned a salon growing up. And so that, that little memory just kind of clicked in of like that, that way of being and that happiness. And so I actually, on my lunch break that day, drove to Paul Mitchell, which was our local beauty school, um, did a tour, walked through, signed up, um, put my two weeks notice in. So it was a, it was a quick move, but I knew for sure that I wanted that excitement and enthusiasm in my life um, professionally. So. And, and this was in Michigan. This was in Michigan. I was, I was a baby again. I was 17, 18. I had just graduated. I was still working at the insurance agency full-time. I had transitioned it into a full-time job. My plan was to go to college for business. Um, and I was enrolled in college. I was actually starting my prereqs. Um, but it wasn't my calling. I, I know that the industry was absolutely the direction that I needed to be in. Um, but I think, again, at that time, I was just so magnetically attracted to people who light up when they talk about their job. Wow. That's amazing. So, so, yeah. so obviously you got, you got license in Michigan. Did it, did, yep. does it transfer into Chicago? And then no, so I had to go through the licensing program again in Illinois. I'm also licensed in Colorado. So I've, I've done that, that program a few times. <laughs> I would really love to never take a board exam again, but again, it's, I mean, I actually never worked in Michigan. I never worked as an artist in Michigan. I, um, finished my program, got my hours, clocked my hours in, scheduled my licensing exam, and then moved two days after I took it. So I knew, again, I was, Chicago was where I was headed, and I wanted to have the license in Michigan since that's where I had went through school. My family's still there, but my intent was always to be in a bigger city. So there was no reciprocity? Like a lot of states um, have reciprocities or no. So I could have taken it in Illinois. I could have like just re went into taking my licensing there, but um, I wanted to be licensed in both states. Wow. Why Chicago? I mean, like, like I, I, 
there's a part that's kind of missing for me, Linz. Like, like you graduate <laughs> hair school and then you go straight to Chicago. Like, yeah. Like, like, like I mean, I, I mean, as long as I've known you, I guess you've had a wandering spirit. So I don't know if yes. that's a part of it or, you know, my, my first instinct, I'm not going to lie though, is like, what is Lindsay running from? You know? <laughs> oh, oh, don't even get me started. Trust me. Uh, at 33 now, about to be 34, I definitely have connected that there was some running happening for a while. Um, but I think for me, it's actually funny because in beauty school, uh, we made, so again, I went to a Paul Mitchell school, awesome experience. One of our projects was to create a vision board. I remember it was in our core foundations class. We were going through kind of planning, you know, future thinking, what do we want to do? What's our life look like in the industry? And I had never made a vision board before. That was my first one. And so I had made mine. And again, at that point, it was early, early on in my program. I don't know that I had clarity on Chicago yet, but I knew I wanted to be in a city. I know I, I, at that point, I put a city skyline on my vision board. Um, I had networking in a word on my vision board. I had all these pieces of it. And then I remember, you know, I graduated, I packed it up with all my staff, moved to Chicago. And then I remember probably a year or so later, unpacking whatever box that was in and seeing that vision board. And I, I just got chills right now, but I remember looking at it and having full chills because it was everything that was in my life at that point. It was my reality at that stage. So I think Chicago was more of a concept. I think Chicago was the idea of being in a big city. I think I knew I wanted to have access to more, to education, to community, to people. Um, and I didn't, I wouldn't have found that in my small town. So I don't know at the time that I knew Chicago was it, but I think again, like I mentioned before, Chicago in my mind at that point was going to be a stepping stone. It was going to be my first, you know, it was drivable. It was safe. I could drive back to my mom and dad's if I was like, just kidding, <laughs> want to be back in a small town. So I feel like it, it felt safe to me then. Um, but of course, I mean, I loved the city. I fell in love with being in the city. And so I think that slowly became more of the place I put roots down. Um, and up until 2020, I had no intention of ever leaving. I had actually, at one point I, I had gotten married. I bought a house in Chicago. Um, I intended to be there forever. I loved it, but life didn't have that plan for me. Right. Is Chicago like, like we're in, we're, we're in DC, right? So people are always like, I'm going to New York, I'm going to New York. And then yep. I guess a lot of people also talk about like going to LA it, for Michigan is Chicago, like the big move to the city. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of transplants, like Midwest in general, but there are a lot of transplants in Chicago. So there's people from Wisconsin, people from Michigan, Indiana, like people that is the closest like big city. And so it kind of attracts people like me, right? Like small town, Midwest, um, but want more. So when you got your job, when you got your first job and when you got to Chicago, that was at, um, at a salon independent. What was that like? It was at a salon. So actually, um, I had moved to Chicago without a job, um, knew I was going to be in the city, but had no, no plan B, plan C, next steps, none of that. So um, in the neighborhood that I had moved to, I decided to start walking. I was going to just walk and see what salons I saw, get to get familiar with the neighborhood, um, and then hopefully find a place that was hiring. And so I was on a walk and then in the, I think it was only four blocks from my apartment at the time, but I, I was on a walk and there was a salon and there were dogs and it was small and people were laughing. And I remember again, just, and everybody was right by the window. The window was massive. And I remember just thinking like that, that's it. That's the spot. And I'd walked in, um, said that I, you know, I wanted to just introduce myself, but I didn't have my resume on me. And I would drop it off that afternoon if, if they were interested. And John, who was my boss for four years, uh, walked up to me and was like, you know, so sorry. We actually, we only have four chairs. We're full right now. We're just not looking to expand. 
Um, but you know, thank you so much. And I, we'd love to have you come in hang out with us anytime, come stop by, say hi, like, but we're, we're Phil. And I remember walking out and being like, no, I'm going to, I'll bring my resume. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm going to work there. And so I did, I, I, it was actually, again, that afternoon I came back and I brought my resume and I was like, I know you said you're full, but I'm just going to leave this. Like I'm, I'm totally down to do any sort of like assisting programs, anything that you're open to in terms of Saturday help. If you need some, like just additional support with cleaning towels, I, I very much verbatim offered to fold towels and sweep the floor. <laughs> so I remember thinking then like, this just felt like my energy. And I've always been like that. Like I've, I have intuition that is usually what guides me in directions that I don't otherwise think for myself at the time. But in hindsight, it's always like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's why that happened. Um, and so that next week he had called me and he was like, you know, maybe like if you wanted to come in on Saturday and clean, like we actually could use some support with like cleaning, but there's no chairs, you know, again, like don't want to get your hopes up. Like there's no assistant program. It's a four chair salon. We're super small. I'm the owner. Like there's no opportunity here. Keep looking for a job, but you could totally clean for us. So I'd come in on that Saturday. And then I think it was the next week or two weeks after I moved there in November, by January, I had a chair. Um, the woman who had started decided to go back to school. So she was no longer going to be doing hair, a chair opened. And I was in there beelined for it. <laughs> All right, well, you couldn't plan any, any better. I mean, yeah. you know, November and January, you're, you have a chair. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And my, I mean, my clientele, so I was in, in the city of Chicago. So I lived in uh, like Wrigleyville area, which is a very busy, uh, it's where the Cubs play. It's just a very busy walkable area. Um, and so for me, it was just, it was everything I had envisioned. It was, I, I didn't want to be in um, like a very large downtown magnificent mile salon. I wanted to be in like a family salon. I wanted to be in a space that still felt like that small town community. Um, John, the owner was from Wisconsin. Um, the other two stylists were also from like the suburbs, the areas surrounding in the Midwest. And, and then I was from Michigan. And so it just felt like this fun. I mean, we served PBR. We had, again, there are two dogs over there. It was just a very comfortable, relaxed vibe, which is what I, that's where I feel I thrive the most. And so it was just such a, yeah, it felt so safe. Again, being at that time I was, I was a baby, right? I was 21 and I didn't really have a community in Chicago. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have family there. So it was like building a friend group, building support, building mentors. And so that's, that was definitely what supported me in those first four years, for sure. Did you have like any savings or something? Like, how do you move into a city with no job, no whatever? I mean, <laughs> like, like you're telling me the story and I'm, and I can only see it through my, the filter of my own eyes or my own experience. Sure. And like, like my anxiety is so high. Like, how do you move to a city with no job? How do you, how do you even find an apartment with no job or no money? You know, I'm just, yeah. you know, like I, I'm, I'm having anxiety for you. And it's <laughs> I, you know, I maybe had a little savings. I, I've always had this. Um, I, I joke about it even today um, with my role now as CEO and founder of a platform that is totally not what I ever saw myself doing. But I always joke about like, I'll always go back to bar bartending. I can always bartend. It's a skill set that I'll always have. So there's never, there's never going to be a place where I'm, I'm not going to be able to figure out what I need to figure out. And in Chicago, when I moved, I mean, I, I maybe had savings, but again, I, I couldn't imagine it was more than a few thousand dollars. So not a lot, but I, I had that in my back pocket. I knew that I could always work in some capacity within the food service industry, within, again, it's the city of Chicago. I'm, I'm 
down the street from a stadium where there are bars that serve until 4 a.m. Like I can easily get a job if I need to, I can figure it out. And I think that's just been this grit that I've always, I think, again, I, I, I know that that comes from my family. I know that that comes from my dad who was an entrepreneur, owned his own business. It's just this internal figure out ability. You know, I just know that I'm going to figure it out, whatever it looks like. And did you, did you end up bar, uh, bartending or waiting while you were there? No, I did. I did in Michigan when I was in school. I worked, I had gotten a job when I was 15. And then throughout that 15 to 18 year span, I had like three jobs at a time always. So I loved being in the food beverage industry. I drove a golf cart. I served beer on a golf course. I did banquet serving. I worked at a chain restaurant. So I definitely, I loved it, but no, once I moved to Chicago, I mean, again, I was able to find that job very quickly and then build a clientele very quickly. And so I didn't, I didn't have that need. That person that left the chair, did you, um, was there a lot of carryover as far as clients go that you were able to kind of support? No, so she was actually still building also. Um, so she had, I think she had only been in the chair for six months tops. Um, so she, I mean, she had started to build a clientele, but it was really, really, small. Um, the, the saving grace, I think for me at that point, um, John, who was the owner of that salon, it was called urban lift in Chicago. I think they're still open last I checked. Um, but he was one of the first people to have a good relationship with Yelp. Um, which again, this is probably back in 2008, nine, 10 ish. Mm -hmm. And so Yelp was new. Yelp was a new idea. Um, and so he had, signed up, signed the salon up and had gotten a flood of, of reviews. And so our salon was like the number one reviewed salon in Chicago through Yelp, especially as Yelp kept growing and growing. And so that generated a ton of new clients to us because they were looking on these reviews. And since I was brand new, I was the one taking new clients. There was really, sure. the other three stylists were fairly busy. And so their books filled in pretty quickly. And then everything that flowed over was, was for me. And I mean, again, it's just, it is wild to think that I was an infant stylist and I, within about a year, year and a half, I had a full clientele. That's amazing. I mean, I worked at a salon like that to this day, they still get like a hundred new clients per month or something, you know, it's just, uh -huh. it, you know, they just, whatever they've done is, is extraordinary. So yeah, you know, yeah. we were like that. I mean, even like when, um, when we were coming up, we had a, the salon that we worked at. You know, it, 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 uh, our local, you know, our local city magazine, you know, named it like number one salon in the area. And, you know, every, every, everyone that was young got their books like, you know, filled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I was never afraid of, again, I think that that question of like, whether or not I'll figure something out, like I was never afraid. I think sometimes we get afraid in the ideas of like, are we ready for that? Or what else do we, maybe I need to do this first, or maybe I need to like, I've never and again, sometimes it's to my detriment, but I've never really had that original fear of like, oh, maybe I can't, maybe I can't, I don't know. I'm much more of like, oh, I'll, I'll say yes. And then I'll just on the back end, figure out how I'm going to navigate, like whatever the situation is. Yeah, the hustle. <laughs> yeah, the hustle. It's just kind of an ingrained thing. And I actually, um, around that same time, I ended up, um, Diva Curl was a brand new brand, brand new product brand. They had shot, a, a filmed a commercial in our salon space. It was a small boutique salon, which is what they were at the time looking to capture. And so they had filmed um, in our location and then left us this gift basket full of products. And it's a different, especially back then, this is again, early, you know, 12, 15 years ago. Um, it was a very different consistency. It was very different from any other products that we had used. And so the other three stylists were kind of like, eh, no. And I was, I was so new. I was so um, moldable that I could listen, you know, I could be like, well, maybe, I don't know. Like I've never used anything different. So um, I started playing around with the products a little bit 
And then went online and saw that they had an academy in New York. And so again, my like spidey sense was like, I got to be out there. I got to go out to New York. And so I ended up being the only stylist from our team who said yes to going out and taking their intensive program. Um, and that was, again, that was a, a complete shift of the trajectory of my career. So I came back with that education um, in a massive city with lots of diversity, lots of different cultures and backgrounds. And so I focused in on texture and that became, again, just a huge part of my career path. I worked with texture in every different capacity, men and women, every different form of, of texture. I did bridal and photo shoot work and it was such a need. It was such a need, especially that, I mean, it still is, but especially then that I, I mean, I couldn't sit still. I was busy from there on out. Wow. You fascinate me, Lindsay. I, I just like, <laughs> like, I'm so in all of you. I just, uh-huh. I, I love this. I love this, like leap and grow wings, you know? Yeah. I, I, and I wish, I wish I had more of that, you know? I mean, as I'm getting older, I've got a little bit more of that. I'm starting, and I'm starting to understand that a little bit, but yeah. you know, for so many years I lived in the insecure, in my own insecurity of there's, there's too much to lose. There's too much to lose, you know? Um, and, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm amazed and, and fascinated by you. Thank you. I mean, life is so short. Life is so short. And I think again, like I lost my dad in 2012. And so I think that was a a shift for me. That's actually also, I started my business um, two months before. And so I was independent and, and then had this really sudden tragedy in my life. And it was a, it was a quick reminder that like, it's, it's too short to not take the risk. It's too short to not go for the thing, to not take the chance. Like you never know how much time you have left. And so if there's anything at all that calls you, go for it. What do you have to lose? You know, at some point we're not going to have that opportunity. So you might as well take it when you can. See, that's interesting because I mean, that has to, that, that comes down to like your amazing perspective because so many times you hear that story and it's like your instinct is to go home and to get back in fetal position with the family, you know, you to just go like, no, 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 no. This is, this is, this is a different, this is a different telling. It's a different calling. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was definitely um, like, like build the life I want, build the life I want right now. You know, don't wait for it for when I'm 30, when I'm 35, when I'm 40, when I'm 50, like, don't wait, build it right now. And so I think that's been, especially in the last few years. I mean, I think again, even at that point in my life, I was still, I was still so young. And so, um, I was still on this path of like, um, safe, 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 you know, create a foundation. And, and I did that for a long time. I did that. I built my business. I checked the boxes, you know, I I got engaged. I got married. I bought the house. I, I checked all the boxes the way that I felt was what was right for me. And then again, after I was divorced in 2018, and that was a, a personal moment, obviously of growth and like reflection. But I think even that didn't quite put me where I wanted to be. It was the pandemic for me, truly. Truly, that was like this, it combined all the lessons that I had learned along the way about loss, about life being short, about uncertainty, about creating this illusion of safety that we think we can control, but really, you know, we we're not in control. And then the pandemic hit. And I think at that point, my business had always been my safety. My business throughout all of those other things had always been the thing I could hang my hat on. I could count on because it was mine and I controlled that. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, no girl, you don't control this either. You don't control any of it. It's none of it. Like, and the more I can lean into like trusting that bigger things are working for us, then I don't have to control. Then I don't have to run. Then I don't have to be always looking for my next move and the next thing, because I trust that it's all working. You know, it's all part of the journey. 
when so you said you only worked for that guy for four years did you go independent after that four years yeah i sure did yeah so um again we had gotten to a point where i i just loved that space so much i loved that community i loved working there but i was traveling i was stepping into education I was doing photo shoot and bridal. So I would be on location for shoots. I'd be on location for weddings on the weekends. Um, the space itself was too small to bring like a bridal party in. So there was really no way for me to work out of the salon. And so that ended up being, you know, a handful of times that I would be not there. And again, he's a business owner. He's He needs to make money. His chair needs to be sure. profitable. And so we kept trying to figure out structures that could work where, you know, I, he would take a cut of my jobs. We would come up with ideas for like how I could bring education back. Like we were trying so hard to come up with a solution because I think we, we all loved each other. We all loved working together, but there just wasn't an option. It just, it kept feeling like this is just not working. It's not working. And I remember, um, it was probably March, April of 2012 that I w- I had gotten a handful of contracts for weddings that summer and I was looking at my schedule. I was looking at all the things that I was taking on. And I felt, and I was counting up, especially Saturdays, like how many Saturdays, if I take all these contracts, I'm not going to be in the salon again. And we're going to have to go through this kind of like difficult struggle again. And in Chicago, you know, it's Midwest. So it's summer season, right? That's when everything, that's when all the weddings happen. It's kind of between that April and September period. And so um, I, I remember coming to him and being like, I think I need to be like in a suite or somewhere. Like, I think I need my own space, like where I can just have people come in and, or I can be flexible and I'm not like disappointing you or like anybody here. Like, I felt like I was just not doing anything great. It was sort of like I was being stretched too thin. And I remember him being like, no, you you should. Like, I think you're right. Like, I think that you're ready for that. I was, I've always been very business minded. And so I think at that point, I knew I could figure out the tools that I'd need to have to be on my own, but it wasn't like it is today, right? This was 2012. So there weren't options everywhere to go find a location. It was hard. I was on Craigslist. I remember being on Craigslist searching for (laughs) spaces. Um, And it was, it was super challenging. There were not resources like we have now, but I think that was, again, that was part of my path. That was that struggle, that contrast for me was part of what then created independent beauty pros, because I went through those pieces that were like, why is this so hard? This is unnecessarily complicated. It's unnecessarily challenging. It's great that, that he supported you though. You know, a lot of times um, as, as salon owners, they, sometimes they, there's not that support, you know what I mean? Because they're looking at their numbers, their books and their, and their chairs, but kudos to him for supporting you and allowing you, not allowing you, but you know, just yeah. supporting you to do your own thing. And then were you guys able to keep that friendship and relationship? Yeah. After? So we, um, he, I remember giving him my key and crying, both of us crying and like standing there in the doorway, just, Oh, I could be I'm a little emotional about it. Even today. I haven't talked to him in years, but again, like I remember at that time thinking like, just feeling so grateful, feeling so much gratitude for this person who had like, again, just totally changed my life. Like absolutely helped me grow into who I am even today now, 10 years later. Um, so we, we, I mean, we kept in touch throughout, probably throughout the next couple years, two, three years, especially again, my dad unfortunately passed away very shortly after I made that choice. And so he was very supportive in that chapter. Um, 
But then again, I just natural cadence, you know, he's busy as a business owner in his life. I'm busy in mine. He's definitely cheered me on along the way in different ways. Um, but no, we're not, we're not friends anymore in that capacity, which, you know, it's too bad. I should reach out to him. And I, even in this conversation, I think about him a lot. And so I'm sure that's mutual. Um, but again, I do want to point out like how valuable it is to have somebody give you that, like that nod, you know, of like, you've got this, it's going to be fine. Like, and I do think that that's something missing in the, you know, I love commission-based structures. Our focus is obviously on the independent artists, but I, I value and cherish what happens in a commission-based structure. I think it's such a great way for people to learn and grow and have mentorship. And for some people being entrepreneurs, that's not for them, you know, like it's a perfect model for what it is. But I do think that that's one of the things that needs to evolve are like owners who are cheering on their artists, who are cheering on that big move to, to encourage that growth. Because it's, if you're trying to hold on to that, that's like a scarcity driven thing. You're afraid of lack. And that's, that's a, that ripples into all parts of your business. You know, we've talked about it a thousand times on the podcast. I mean, I wish, I wish we could do better as an industry when it came, when it comes to that. I mean, there's, there's not, um, I mean, I've, I've only worked at a few salons and, and, and it's always kind of like ugly, you know, the, the mm-hmm. end is always kind of ugly. It, it always takes a little bit of, of time to, uh, to, 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 to appreciate and have a different perspective about, about your relationship there. You know, we, um, we, uh, we've wanted to do a couple, we wanted to do some uh, podcasts on mentorship and stuff like that, but, um, or mentors, you know, but, but again, I mean, there, there's feelings everywhere when it comes to that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, I wish we could be better. I think it's, I think it's a crazy notion as for a commission-based salon owner that, you know, you hire somebody at 18, 20 years old and you expect them to be there for the rest of their careers. Like that just doesn't, especially in, in our, our, our gig economy now, like that just doesn't, yeah. doesn't even make sense or, or that there's a lot of feelings about it. Like, you know, it, if, yeah. you're, if you're not good for the business, they're going to get rid of you. So, you know, at some point, like the first salon that I left, my my parting my parting note was was you know listen my 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 business changed you know and and yep. it's time to move on so but anyways that that well that's the thing is like commission or rental or freelance or whatever these are all business models that's all it is they're just business models like yeah. it's not there's not one that's good and one that's bad or one that's right and one that's wrong like it's literally no different than how there are different business models for restaurants. There are different business models. It's across the board and in different industries, that's very common. And so again, within our industry, there are business model options that you can choose from as an individual and what works really well for you may or may not work really well for someone else. And so I think the more we can kind of detach whatever those emotions are from right and wrong and should and shouldn't and whatever, the easier it is to just acknowledge like, it's all, they're all good. <laughs> they're all good. Yeah. Everything's good. There's a good opportunity for everybody. And there's not, there's no scarcity. There's no lack. And that's again, within our industry across the board, even the competition aspect, which I have, I feel has ch- changed and shifted so much in my years being in the industry. But again, it's such a funny concept because for most of us, especially for barbers or hairstylists, hair grows, right? Hair grows physically out of our body. <laughs> so there's, an abundance of it. It doesn't end. Like there's more and more and more and more and more. And then again, when we think about people needing us for special events, for occasions, for weddings, for whatever, like those are always happening. So whatever, whoever started that competition vibe is just, it blows my mind because it's in our industry. There are so many opportunities 
to grow and expand. Whereas in some other industries, you know, you maybe only work with a client once ever, you know, I think about like people who build furniture, you know, they're probably only going to build five pieces tops for that person. Yeah. And then that client's gone. So like our industry is not like that. It's so abundant. And it's funny that that's ever been a problem for us as a whole, you know? You know, I, I, I often think about that, like for people that specialize in bridal hair, you know, like, like, you know, you only get, hopefully you only get one shot, right? You're not doing a bunch of work <laughs> for the same person, <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah. I often think about it, like, like what a difficult, and by the way, I'm talking out of respect. It's not pointing yeah. at all, but like how to build a business out of like a one-time client, because you know, our base is not that our base is the, yeah. is the four to six weekers, you know? So yeah. yeah. Well, as a bridal stylist who focused on brides and weddings for 10 years, practically. Uh -huh. It's, it's so funny because you do that, you work with that bride and ideally, yes, you only work with her for her wedding that one time, but you're also working with her five, seven, 10 bridesmaids and their siblings and the people, their, their relationships. Sure. And you're also working with vendors. You're working with florists, you're working with photographers, you're working with people who are connected to other brides who are your clients. So again, in terms of networking, Bridal is an easy one because as soon as somebody sees your work, it's a, it's a walking business card. It's like an easy, easy sell. And so I built a really well, well oiled established business focusing on bridal, even with that client who is maybe only going to see me once. And so that's that thing, that scarcity, like there is so many, there's so much, there's so much in our industry to be successful wherever you choose, however you choose. I'm just, it's not like, like you know there's only a certain amount of people on the planet and that's the only amount of people on the planet I mean, <laughs> you know we grow as a population right so yep mm -hmm. babies yeah they're, they're <laughs> babies <laughs> yeah like yeah, it's true though it's really they're gonna be getting married <laughs> yeah when you really kind of scope out it is kind of funny to think you know it's funny to think that we have ever struggled with with that with competition because again i also we talk about this within ibp all the time but like even if you are the best of the best of the best so let's say i continued on to focus on texture brides and i worked with every bride in chicago with texture to her hair whatsoever even if that were true how many people can I service me just by myself? How many people truly can I do that for? It's capped, right? Like even if I were taking it all on, I can only do so much. And so again, why not have community? Why not have people that you can point to? Why not have people that point to you? Why not mix it up a little bit? You know, like again, there's just only so much you can do. Even if you are the best of the best of the best of the best, there's still a point where that's all you have. That's all you can give. So I, again, I, it leans back into that idea of competition. It's so invalid within our industry because you can be so fulfilled and still share, right? You know, there's still so much opportunity for that. Well, I'm going to give you a different perspective on that, on that situation. Like imagine when you and I graduated high school, look at our high school, right? And you only get one high school degree, right? Diploma. Look at that same high school now. And, and, and the reason the way it looks the way it is because so many people expanded, right? Mm -hmm. So much, so many more people now in that area than it is. It's just, yeah, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't getting into scarcity. Like, no, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was saying, what I was saying is like, my point was, is like, it, it, it's the constant hustle. Right. Oh, like it's, it's the it's the concept to find your next gig, to find your next your next client. You're, you're always into that. And, and, and frankly, right. that's my least favorite thing in the world to do. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So for me, like to, to find that next client to, and you always have to do that. You always have to be on that cycle that, that, and like I said, it's nothing but respect 
It's yeah. not it's totally not judgment at all. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. but it's the, it's being on that, that hustle treadmill, you know, yeah, yeah. Of, uh-huh. of finding the next gig, you know, that, that's yep. what, that's gotcha. where I'm coming from. It's yeah. not, it's funny that you say that. Cause that's actually the first time. I mean, that I, that's, you're totally right. And I think that's why I loved that so much at that right. stage in my career. I loved that hustle. Like it felt so it was such a part of my, um, that chapter of my life that it, it makes total sense that that was where I was at with bridal, especially because, and actually photo shoot work is similar in the sense that like, you're always looking for another opportunity to, to show your work, to show your work, show your work. And I, I've never thought about it that way. But as soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I was in, I was hustling. I was hustling for sure. You're on the hustle treadmill. (laughs) <laughs> so so COVID hits you're you're behind the chair you know um you what happened then yeah so I had been behind the chair independently at that point for eight years and so I had at the, I, I played around with a lot of different ways to give back um I was super involved with different networking groups locally so I was in a, a women's entrepreneurship group I was in a wedding industry group I was a part of the Chamber of Commerce and I was um, a lead volunteer for a nonprofit that was very active in Chicago. So there were all these different ways that I had found within my business and also kind of adjacent to, to be able to give back. And that was something that was really um, important to me. That is still very important to me. And so um, I think at that point in 2018, um, I had worked with a developer to develop a platform, a website that would help me find other people to kind of like share ideas, options, collaboration, opportunity with. Um, And I felt like, again, at that point, it was like, you know, even with social media, as much as I would be on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, I was always trying to find people like me, like entrepreneur, very connected, wanting to kind of be more so connected, wanting to maybe get into more volunteering or get into different options, projects, photo shoot work, whatever. Um, And actually, there was also a huge need for me as a bridal artist, somebody who worked with weddings, I was always looking for more artists to contract with because I felt like, again, how many can I do? So realistically, if I don't want to be burnt out and exhausted, how many weddings can I fit into this wedding season? And then on a day by day basis, when I'm in a salon suite or I'm in a uh, hotel suite, how many people can I service really well, you know, where I'm not feeling exhausted by the sixth, seventh person. So I was always looking for makeup artists and hairstylists to be able to contract these weddings with, and then be able to take on bigger parties. So that was a a true need I had in my business. And I felt like I would go on Facebook or I would go on Instagram and like search, you know, Chicago bridal artist, Chicago bride, Chicago wedding, you know, I'd have to use hashtag keyword, whatever. And it was so unnecessarily complicated. And then I'm sending cold DMs to these people, right? So I'm sending cold messages. They don't know me from Adam. And I'm like, hey, um, I want to contract together. Is that something you want to do? You know, so people are just kind of like, what? (laughs) What's happening? And so it was this this thing that a pain point, it was a pain point for me of like, this is unnecessarily hard. So one of my clients was a, is a web developer and she's a woman. So she, I feel like we just, as soon as I started spitting ideas, she was like, yes, 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 yes. And so I was like, you know, I just want like LinkedIn. I just want a page, a place where people can come in, put their profile, but then I can search them and they can search me and we can just find each other. And we can search by like hairstylist or we can search by Chicago. Like, I just want it to be like, however. And she was like, yeah, that's so, we could totally do something like that. So she worked with me to build out this platform in 2018. Then I got divorced. And so again, my personal life 
at that point took priority. And it was a big eye opener for me because at that point I, I had checked every box, right? So like, I'm looking at my list and being like, this was not, this was not on the list. I was not supposed to be getting divorced. Like didn't write this down. No so, deal, this <laughs> we checked off by a house. Like that was what we did. So it was a, it was a big moment for me. You know, it was a big life lesson for me and it, shook what I had thought was my foundation of, of my life. And so it was in that same year. So 2018, I, I had been working on this platform. I was also a national educator at that time. So I was traveling a ton all over the country um, and talking with a lot of artists, right? Like I was talking, talking, talking and asking like, would this be helpful to you? Like, would you use something like this? Is this a solution that you could see in your business? And, and these were commission-based and independent artists. It was across the gamut. Right. And so I was, I knew I was on to something. I knew it was something, but I, again, my, my personal life was like, nope, here you go. This is where you're at. This is what we're doing. And so I went through the process of getting divorced, went through the process of selling the house, moved into an apartment in Chicago. Um, and then kind of felt like, you know what, this is too big for me. This, I, somebody else will do this. You know, one of the bigger associations will come through and create something like this and it'll be theirs and I can just use it. And that's all I need. Like, not for me. So I sat on it. I didn't do anything with it. And then COVID hit, right? So 2020, early 2020. And again, at that point, still didn't exist. <laughs> still wasn't another solution out there. Um, and I remember thinking like, I have this business built. It's literally done. It's, there's nothing that needs to be done for me to actually launch this. And I'm going to have, you know, whatever we thought, two or three weeks at the time to like <laughs> sit and focus on this project that I've had for two years in my back pocket that I've done nothing with. And again, at that point I had, I had healed some parts of my divorce. And so I felt like I could put some of my energy back into my work and my business and the goals that I at one point saw in my near future. And so launched it in, I actually hired a business coach. Um, that was my first coach that I had hired. Nick, I still work with him today. And I actually had worked with Drew, his one of his coworkers. Um, but I hired them because they were outside of our industry. So they are business technical coaches. And I felt like that was where I really needed support. I don't know anything about technology. Well, I do now, but I didn't then. And so I felt like there was this like, again, for me, my fastest route always has been mentorship. If I don't know how to do something, I'm going to find the person who did it. Like, let me talk to you. You already know how. Why would I waste my time trial and erroring through this when I can just become friends with you? I can just add value to your life in some way, and you can share with me what it was that you learned. And then we both we both move on with our lives, you know? So that was something even then. I remember in April hiring that company, it's called Cultivate. It's an amazing company if you're looking for business coaching, education. Um, and again, I loved that it was outside of our industry because I felt like I could, I could learn so much by stepping outside of what we already know. And unfortunately, our industry is slow to change. Our industry is slow to technology. It's slow to new ideas. And I think that was something that I, I recognized even then was like, man, if I can find these two guys who can help me with all the tech stuff that I don't have any awareness of or knowledge of, I know how to build community. I know how to talk to people. I know how to relate to people like that stuff I've got, but it was that shift for me. And then obviously my business was closed for four months. So it was a, a much longer span than I had intended. And so I was able to really put my heart into this. And at that point, excuse me, at that point in our industry, I think everyone needed community, right? Like we were all just like, oh, what are we doing? What's happening? And especially the independent artists, especially, especially, especially the solopreneur, because unfortunately we are not taught so many of the business entrepreneurship skills that we need in our licensing program. So 
then a pandemic hits. And what if we don't have our corporate structure set up? What if we're not getting employee retention credits? What if we don't have any idea how to apply for a PPP loan? What if we don't know who to talk to? What if we have never met an accountant? Like what, like then what, you know? So that was the big, the big thing for IBP was like, Hey, I can help with that. That I know I can connect you with the right people. And so that's where it ballooned. That's where it was like, okay, you know what? This is so needed in our industry and I will step into this role and I will create this because it's not just me who sees that this is important. It's our whole industry that is looking for this community, that's looking for this resource to be able to point to lots of different coaches, to be able to point to lots of different educators, lots of different resources. There's not one that works for everyone, right? And that was the big shift for for independent beauty pros. Yeah, I I, I was surprised at how many people didn't know how to... um file for the PPP or, or knew about the PPP, mm-hmm. uh, PPP loans and, and people like yourself uh, who stepped in and really helped so many people out to, to figure this out. I mean, kudos, but I, I yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely needed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we Absolutely. heard about it a lot. I mean, we did a lot of content on it, but I mean, you know, the reason we did the content on it, cause I was like, I know that I'm lacking in this, you know, I know that I don't understand this. So, you know, how, how can we kind of, I guess, in the same mindset that you were in, like, like, yeah. how can we, how can we have the platform? So how can we share yeah. it? How can we share it with people? That, that yeah. That's amazing. So, I mean, you know, we're kind of past all, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, what's, what's independent beauty pros, like, like from that point, that's where you picked up, but like, yep. what does it evolve to and where are you at or where are you all, all the things? Oh, I just got so emotional. We're hosting our first summit this weekend. It's our first two-day education event. Um, and I have poured my heart into this event. And this is something that, I mean, the way that IBP has grown and evolved is so far beyond what I could have ever seen at that stage. Um, I remember being, you know, maybe May of 2020 and behind my computer and I, again, I was sending cold DMs, you know, I was, I was still doing, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'm starting this thing. Like any chance you'd want a a free membership to check it out and tell me what you think, like constant sending these cold DMs and to now be at a place two years later, where we're hosting a summit in Dallas with eight keynote speakers, with brand sponsorships, with this concept that was again, just an idea, you know, and now it's, I'm about to step into that as a reality for our company. And it just, it blows my mind because it's so far. I feel like I, I facilitated the idea, but it is now its own. It is its own thing. I am just, I am just here working for it. (laughs) And it is amazing because I feel like um, the shifts and the pivots and the community and the people and the way that it impacts is just completely different in all the best ways and all the ways that I could have never even at the time imagined. Because again, I think what I knew needed to happen was we needed business resources, we needed networking, and we needed community. Like I knew those three things. Those are kind of the the pillar foundations of our community, our company. But it was so much more about like what works for some people isn't always going to work for others. And so what I think the magic was that that was so different is that I was not a coach. I've never been a coach on independent beauty pros. I do not coach. Even though I've coached before, I've educated before, that's been a hat that I wear, but it's not my hat with IBP. And instead I'm able to point to dozens and dozens and dozens of coaches, dozens and dozens and dozens of educators, which as we keep growing will become hundreds and thousands. And again, to think about like, that sort of resource as 
a solopreneur in 2012 who had just lost her dad, who had no idea how to sign a contract or how to set up an accounting practice or how to market locally and, and expand into new business opportunities, I would have done anything for, for that. I would have done anything to have that resource. And so to now be like, man, that doesn't exist, exists. And it's and it, and it exists now on its own. And I think that's just so amazing. I'm so proud of how it's come and, and grown since that early infancy stage of idea. Um, and the pandemic for me was so valuable because again, my original concept was to be in Chicago. My original concept for IBP was to be like a local a local chapter in Chicago where people could come and be like, oh yeah, I'm independent, you're independent, we're solo, like this is what has been hard. We could maybe come together for like product education, right? We would have bigger ticket options to maybe be able to bring in a big educator. We could pool our resources. So I kind of thought about it as this like co-op option, right? In Chicago. And then the pandemic was like, no, 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 girl, this is global. Like this is needed everywhere. This isn't just in Chicago. Like Chicago is actually pretty resourced. <laughs> like what about Kansas? Like, no, 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 this is a big, this is for everybody. And again, to see that now, especially as we're looking at hosting this big event, it's so crazy to get, to get that, that um, reassurance that this is something that's benefiting people in different parts, way far, way farther than I could have thought of back then. So who, I, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, we've gone through it. I mean, you're, you're who you support are the independent artists, you know? So, so how do you, like, like if I'm working in a commission salon and I want to like break free, like kind of pitch me on what, what, what independent beauty pros can, can help me out with. Yeah. So if you are in a commission structure and you're looking to be independent, that would be, again, you're at that foundational start, right? You're at that early, early stage. Maybe you haven't even found a spot yet. So like one of the things, one of the resources we have on our platform are downloadable contracts that our team of legal created and they're customizable. You can put your logo in, you put all of your information in, you mm. print it, you sign it. So I'll share that specifically because when I left my commission structure, I found a location that was perfect on Craigslist, right? It was perfect for me, found it on Craigslist, came, knocked on the door. I'd love to see the space. Um, it wasn't too far the woman who showed it to me, it was actually the, the name studio was in the, in the salon. And so I thought like, oh, cool studios. And again, this did not exist then. There were not locations everywhere where you could have right. a studio. And so I, I remember thinking like, how cool I get my own room. Like I can shut the door. Like, it's just like perfect. There's a shampoo bowl in there. And so we had, we connected really well. It felt like a perfect fit. And so she had offered for me this opportunity to do sort of this commission transition, right? So she would let me come she would take a percentage of commission from me while I made sure my clients were following me, while I made sure everybody was happy and comfortable. And I remember thinking, jackpot, <laughs> right? This is like a win-win. I don't have to do anything. Like, it's perfect. If nothing works out, like, I don't, I'm not committed to a lease. This is so great. And again, maybe a little of my own scarcity mindset at that stage. I was afraid, right? It's, it's, it's hard. It's scary. It can be scary to leave a commission, the safety of a commission structure and go on your own. So if you're going out on your own, that might feel really appealing, right? Like, oh, this person's going to help me and work with me. And so I went into that. I, you know, set everything up. I got my business cards. I spent a lot of money, thousands of dollars to transition everything into being in that space. Um, my clients all followed me. They all loved me within six weeks minimum, I was able to come to her and be like, Hey, you know what? I actually, I think it's perfect. I think it's great. I think everybody's happy. Like I'd love to let's like knock out that, that structure so I can sign and I can rent the space from you. And she was like, yeah, 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 for sure. Like I'll, you know, I'll get a contract over to you. 
So we had a handshake agreement early on that we would figure out what our rental structure would look like. And then she came to me with a lease that was absolutely astronomically priced. And it was, I mean, I remember thinking like, well, I could rent a storefront. Like I, (laughs) I looked at it. I thought about opening a salon. I know that I could pay that much for a storefront. Like this is way too expensive. This is so far outside of my expectation of cost. And again, I did not have a contract. And unfortunately I ended up leaving. I was only there for three months and found a different location. And so all of the business cards, all the marketing materials, relocating my clients again, that was a hard lesson to learn, but it was, it was so needed for me to be able to recognize like contracts are necessary. You need to have a contract no matter what. So you shake your hand with somebody who says, this is what we'll do. No, no, no. It's in a contract. We put it in a contract because we are we are business owners. And I think sometimes we, we remove that piece in our industry. Like we're, we're, we're just hairstylists. I can't tell you how many times I said forever before, I'm just a hairstylist. It was just a thing I'd say. I'd say, I'm just a hairstylist. And really, no, I'm a, I'm a business owner. I have a business and I need to protect it and look out for it and take care of it. And so contracts would be the number one thing that I would be like, well, okay, you're thinking about leaving your commission-based structure. You're looking at spaces what do you want out of the space that you're working in? Make sure that you have a contract that works for you, not necessarily their contract that they're giving you. Look at your contract, read it, maybe come with your own, like maybe come with your own contract. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. So having resources like that on our platform alone, like do you guys a lot offer, of people don't have that. Do you offer like if, if I'm at, like in, like in our space, you know, we have to sign a contract. Like, could I send you the contract and could, do you have like someone that can advise me through the contract? Cause I, mean, I have, I have referrals for legal that could advise you. We do actually, they're one of our brand sponsors for the summit, Coella Legal Studios. She is phenomenal. Um, we actually just had her on our podcast, but she's one of our sponsors for this event because she focuses in on legal for the beauty barber industry. And again, I think that's something we're seeing more and more of people in corporate roles are recognizing that we as entrepreneurs entrepreneurs need the support that they offer. And so they're niching into our industry because it's so lacking, right? So we see CPAs that are talking through specifically for beauty barber pros. We see legal, we see marketing, like, because again, unfortunately, even in our best education structures for licensing, that stuff is a chapter in the book, right? It's a chapter that we read real quick in the book. (laughs) It's not actually something that we're truly taught. So um, no, we would not be able to consult you, but we would be able to say, oh, here are the different people that we've worked with that we feel are really great. You should absolutely talk with one of them. And they understand the industry. And, and, and yeah, they, they focus in. Yeah. So I've been really selective about that because again, our platform is for the independent beauty barber professional, right? So I don't want a ton of CPAs in there because it's for beauty barber pros. However, I do want maybe however many, I mean, we could use a lot more, but I, I would take however many are niched and focused in on supporting the beauty barber professional. Because again, to me, that support is also a piece of what makes us successful as entrepreneurs. And our platform is completely business resourced. It's not at all technical. So we do not bring on any technical education whatsoever because again, it goes across the board. Our education works if you are an esthetician, if you're a barber, if you're a makeup artist, if you're a freelance, if you're whatever, if you're a podcast host, if you're a coach, an educator independently, this is all applicable to your business. So technical education, that's not our lane. So you're taking the fear out of being independent. Yeah, like exactly. It. Yeah. And it's through support, right? It's through support and community. And instead of that mindset of like, 
well, I'm not going to tell you what worked for me. I'm not going to tell you that I got a contract. I want you to figure it out on your own. Like, why do I lose my contract? If I give you it, (laughs) do I lose it? Does something happen to mine? Like, it's so silly. So how do you, so independent beauty pros, how do they scale? Like, I mean, once, once I open up my salon and once, you know, independent beauty pros has been amazing to me, like, like what else, what do you offer other than just setting up your business? Yeah. So setting up our, your business is really probably a very small piece of our community. Actually, it's probably the smallest. Um, there are things again, that you need to know and that you need to have. And there are definitely people that can support you that we can connect you with, or that you can connect with on your own in our community. But I think the biggest thing that's so important to remember is that as you continue to grow, as you continue to go down the path of entrepreneurship, there are going to be challenges, things that you didn't maybe expect things that you're learning along the way, because that's the journey of being an entrepreneur. And unfortunately within our industry, and this is pre pre COVID, we haven't even collected all of the data from the pandemic, but this, the fail rate for suite renters, chair renters is over 75% in the first three years. So that's awful. That's worse than the restaurant industry, you know? So that's a, that is huge. And I think that's the piece it's the getting started is, can be scary. It can feel scary, but I think a lot of people can do it. I think a lot of people can be like, yeah, I can find a space. I got a contract. All right. I know the rules. Like I can figure that out. It's not that first initial jump. It's those three years. It's that pivot. It's that pivot, pivot, pivot. What am I supposed to learn? How do I figure this out? How do I set this up in a system so that I can scale and grow? Like there are all those other pieces that are so important. And that's unfortunately where I think people start to fall apart in the entrepreneurship journey. Once you can get past that first initial setup part, those first three years are going to be exponentially important in terms of being able to like take what you've learned, find the next chapter, find the next direction, connect with people that are going to support you through that. Again, if you're three to five years, at that point, you should start to have systems in place, right? You should have bookkeeping taken care of. You should have your marketing strategy taken care of. You should have like, it should start to be running like a machine where you're able to hands off and trust that your business is still being successful, growing, scaling. Um, And then I think about even from that, Then we think about innovation, right? We think about, okay, so let's say you're in that 10th year. You're like me, you've been doing it. You know how to do it with your eyes closed. The business runs pretty well. You're well over six figures. You've stepped into education or other projects. You have a podcast, whatever whatever you're doing. But then what happens if you have an idea like IBP? What happens if you have an idea that something should exist, but you have no idea what to do with that idea? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? Um, I think about one of our members who created, um, have you seen the Elmo gloves from Braemar that are so <laughs> amazing? Um, so Ashley Lewis, the blondologist was one of the co-creators of those beautiful gloves. And again, we talk a lot about innovation and we talk a lot about with her specifically, she was, they were actually just on one of our education hours because again, the idea came from wearing plastic gloves and not working well with lightener with those. And then using so many towels, ruining her towels and being like, this is a mess. Like, why aren't there just gloves? You know? And again, that little light bulb of like, no, really, why aren't there gloves? (laughs) Like, how do we, (laughs) how do we make gloves? Like, and it's, again, it's that it's, there are so many big ideas in our industry. There are so many people that have great ideas, but they don't know where to go. So that's the thing about our community. There's a stage in your business that you'll need support no matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're brand new. It doesn't matter if you've been doing this for 30 years. If you are an entrepreneur, 
there are so many ways that you need the support of somebody else who has been there or can inspire you to do more or shift or think differently. There's just so much opportunity for that support. So how do, how do people find it? I mean, what platforms and, and where can they go? I mean, now it's pretty searchable on Google. So if you're an independent artist and you search independent beauty pros, we are going to pop up again, independent hairstylist, independent barber. Um, but again, I think my vision as we continue to grow and expand is to come back to that original concept of having chapters in major cities and being able to support not just virtually like we've been for two years, because again, the pandemic forced that, right? And I'm so grateful it did because it made me think globally. But now I want to come back to that core idea, that original concept that I had of supporting people locally as well, in person as well, hosting summits like this, hosting events where people are coming together. And I think, again, one of the big shifts from our community is that the people who are part of our community want to collaborate. They are there with the full intention because I have hammered that into every piece of our marketing material, every piece of our education, everything, every single thing that we do is in spirit of collaboration. So if you are not in spirit of collaboration, we are not for you. That is not the space for you. So again, I think what makes that so I think that's why we've had so much traction is because it's when a bunch of people who want to collaborate come together, it's the ideas are just on top of everything. That's why the summit is going to be so phenomenal this weekend, because it's, again, people who are speakers are collaborative. Our attendees want to collaborate. Our attendees are coming or flying from other parts of the country to come and be in a space where people are collaborating, supporting, cheering on. Like there's not going to be any of that yucky vibe. You know, it doesn't exist because everybody is there in the same the same mindset of being there to support each other. That's amazing. It is amazing. What's your website? Independentbeautypros.com. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty straightforward. I mean, we're on social a lot. You know, of course we've got Instagram and, and Facebook and all the things, and that's a great kind of intro. We do a ton of free content on those platforms. We have a podcast. The Beauty Solopreneur is our podcast. Tons of free education there. Um, I've only done one solo episode actually in all three of our seasons. So um, we'll see. I might do some more of those in the future. But for the most part, there's an, an, a guest on who's talking about a topic that's super relevant to the business needs of the solopreneur. So um, again, a great way to get free education and start to feel like how, how we run things. But again, within IBP as a whole, no matter how we grow and expand, our, our focus will always be on collaborating and coming together. Love it. That's awesome. Lindsay, you're amazing. Thank you so much for the friendship this last year. Like it, 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 it means the world. And, and, and legitimately, when I saw you walk through the door at our show back in April, uh, it, it really moved me um, more than it may have looked because, you know, sometimes the chaos of, of doing <laughs> you know, is, is front and center, but, but it didn't go unseen and unnoticed. So um, I, I appreciate you for supporting us always really, you know, or at least the last year since, you know, we became friends on a mountain. Um, yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, we just really, really appreciate you and appreciate what you're doing for the industry. And enjoy this weekend. Yeah. Enjoy. Mm. Uh, Thank you. Can't, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know why we're not there, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next one. We'll be doing this again for sure. Yeah. So you'll be yeah. at our next one. 
100%. That sounds amazing. Miss Lindsay Smith. By, by the way, I apologize for always misspelling your name, but there's a lot of letters in there that don't belong in Lindsay. I apologize. You know, that's my dad too. I think he did that on purpose just to make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it made me, makes me laugh too. Like every time I write it, I go, I know. And then when I even get it right, Lindsay, I have like this anxiety that I'm spelling it wrong again. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a Z in there. I feel like once there's a Z, you get a free pass, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a Y and a Z. <laughs> there's like no normal vowels anyway, <laughs> my friend thank you very very much and uh thanks for hanging out with us and thank you for joining us on your day off Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends. Give us a rating and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.